Bibles, I'd like you to open to the first book of Samuel, chapter 16. I'm going to read verse, uh, chapter 16, and, and my notes, and yeah, 16 and 1. Is that one? Okay. And then I'm going to skip down a few chapters in 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 7. <coughs> Pray for me. My <coughs> having a, I'm having that smoker's cough. I don't smoke. <coughs> but uh, <coughs> it's, uh <coughs> it's getting to me tonight. So... And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now, I'm going to have a hard time saying that word. Now I'm thinking about it. He was from Bethlehem. The Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. First Samuel 18, 6 and 7. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul and with tabrets, with joy and with instruments of music and the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now I want you to look at that for a moment. A little bit ago I was in my office and I was reading over my notes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but David had only killed one man. He had only killed, he killed a bear and a lion. And he just came back, the Bible says, he just came back from the slaughter of the Philistine, which was Goliath. And they made the statement that Saul had killed his thousands, which was true. But then he, they said that David, his ten thousands. Now this is just Adam Hill talking. I believe that they was speaking in present time, to the present time that Saul had killed his thousands. But I believe they were speaking in faith of what David was going to do. Saul was the representation of their past. And David was going to be the light of Israel, which, which represented the future of Israel. Sunday night, I was downstairs praying with the men, and God spoke to me these words. He said, This church is not a has been. This church will not live in its past. Will not. <laughs> oh, I want to preach to you tonight. We are not a has-been. You may be seated. <coughs> if there was any man in the Scripture 
you could study the Scripture, you could look through and you could see Moses, Noah, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Peter, Paul, Mary. <laughs> if you look at every person in the Scripture besides Jesus Christ, Samuel had the most seniority and the most experience in the house of God. He had experienced God at an early age. The Bible talked about Hannah, the mother of Samuel, before she had, uh, was even with child. Uh, she was in desperation because she wanted to have a son. She began to pray. She said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on my affliction of thine handmaiden, or handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thy handmaid, but wilt give unto me thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. That is a strong statement. How many of you mothers could vow to give your child away? Even though it was to be at the house of God, that was a great big promise. Before Samuel was even conceived in the womb, she had given him to God. Hannah's promise was to give him back to God. God gave her a son and she said, because you give me a son, I'm going to offer him back to you. When God blesses us, we should be more than happy to give back to God. Can I get an amen? And that's exactly what she did. After Samuel was weaned, she took a trip to the house of God and she walked arm in arm with Samuel. She made her promise good to God and she gave Samuel back to God. The Bible says that she worshipped and she walked away. And she left him at the house of God. And it was inevitable that Samuel was destined for greatness. Growing up that close to the things of God, it was inevitable that Samuel would grow up, grow up great in the things of God. At an early age one night, the Bible speaks that God spoke to him at a very early age. And the Bible says... In Samuel 3, 2 through 10, And it come to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, he could not see. The arrow of the lamp of God went out into the temple where the ark of the covenant was, uh, uh, ark of God was, and, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. How special would you have to be to sleep in the same building where the ark of the covenant was? That the Lord called Samuel that night and he answered, Here am I. He was confused and he got up and he walked into the room where Eli was and he said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I, I didn't call you, Samuel. Go lay down. And he went and laid down. And then the second time the Lord called him again, Samuel. And Samuel, he arose from his bed and he went to Eli and he said, Eli, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lay down. And uh, eventually, after a couple times, 
uh, Eli recognized what was going on with Samuel. Samuel was so young, he didn't recognize the, power, uh, the, the voice of God. Isn't that great that the man of God sounded like the voice of God? When our pastor preaches and teaches, he should sound like the voice of God, and he does. Now Samuel, the Bible says, he did not know the Lord yet, neither was the word of the Lord revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli. Here am I. You called me. And Eli perceived that God was talking to him. And therefore Eli said unto Samuel, he said, when you go lay down, he said, and God speaks to you again. He said, you, you answer him, God, what do you want? And so he did. He said, for thy servant heareth thee. And from that day forward, Samuel grew in God in a great and mighty way. The Bible says that not a word of Samuel's ever fell to the ground. That means that every prophecy that he ever uttered, every message that he ever spoke, everything that he ever did or spoke to anybody, not a word ever, not a word of it ever fell to the ground. In other words, it was very important. It was truth, and it meant something. It meant something. He was a great man. His presence was larger than life. Well, the Bible says when he showed up in the town of Bethlehem, the Bible says that the elders began to tremble at his presence. I believe, I got to thinking about that, I wondered why they trembled. I believe that Samuel had spent so much time by that ark and so much time in the presence of God and so much time at an altar that his mere presence drove people to a repentance uh, uh, state in their life. He, they was under such conviction that they was paranoid about maybe a bad thought or paranoid about what they had done the day before and they began to tremble. That's power, my friend. He was a great man. He was raised to be a powerhouse. It was around this time that Israel was very unhappy with what they thought was a lack of leadership. Uh, imagine this. They were tired of being led by God. Isn't that just like some people? <laughs> they don't want to hear the voice of God, so they come to preacher and say, God, tell me what you, I want you to tell. That's what ha was happening with Israel. God spoke in their life for all these years, and all of a sudden they said, we're tired of, of you speaking in their life. We want a king. Uh, all the other nations have a king, so we want a king. So when it come time for them to get a king, because Samuel was who he was and as powerful as he was, Samuel was not just an anointed man. He gave the anointing away. And the Bible says that Samuel would be the one to anoint the first king of Israel. If you know anything about Saul, Saul was very appealing to the eye. The Bible talked about how good he was. The Bible talked about what he looked like. The Bible talked about how big he was. He, he was appealing to the eye. God knew that Israel would not accept a king that was a wimp or looked like a, a, a weasel. 
So he went and found the biggest, toughest guy in all of Israel. He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So God said, you want a king? I know what you're looking for. You're looking for what appeals to the flesh. So I'm going to hand you a king that appeals to the flesh. You'll get Saul. So Saul was to be the next king, and Samuel was going to give him a a, a pat on the back, and he was going to anoint him, and uh, when he anointed him, he was to give him his okay. It'd be like, Brother Fox, you calling me, or calling uh, somewhere where you're going to get a job, and you say, call Brother Hill, Uh, he'll vouch for me. That's exactly what Saul, what happened with Saul and Samuel. Samuel vouched. For Saul. So when uh, I'm getting too excited, I'm getting ahead of my message here. Let me. When Saul got anointed to be king, Samuel looked at him and he said, "Well, if he succeeds, I'm going to look good. And if he fails, it's not going to make me look very good. So you can guarantee that Samuel." was going to be up in his business. And he was going to do whatever it took for that man to succeed. Because if Saul failed, that meant in the eyes of Samuel, when he looked in the mirror, he'd have said, I'm a failure. But if Saul would have been a great king, Samuel would have smiled and said, I'm a great anointer. So we know the story as it went on that Saul failed God in a great way. The Bible says that he it hurt the heart, if you will, of Samuel. And all of a sudden, Samuel was embarrassed. It made him feel belittled. He felt like a failure. Because all the other times before, he was the man that walked into the place, into the town, and everybody shook at his presence. He was the one that lived in the house of the Lord. And everybody that knew him pointed at him and said, He's the man with the plan. He's in charge. He's a great man. Not a word that he's ever spoken has been a lie, but it's been truth. And Samuel knew it. And the Bible says when Saul failed, it hurt him so bad that he found himself hiding in a corner somewhere and he was crying and weeping because it made him look bad. I'm not so sure it was. He had the people uh, in, in mind. At the, uh, I don't think that he cared about anything else but himself. I believe that in the back of his mind, he was saying to himself, I'm a has-been. I used to do good. I used to have an anointing. I used to I used to be feared, but now I have laid my hands on a king who failed. So therefore, I'm a failure. Have you ever been there? Let me let me let me put it to you this. Have you ever prayed for somebody that did not get healed? Have you ever gave a Bible study 
that they walked out and they never called you again and they would not answer your phone calls. How did it make you feel? I got to go on. In his mind, he was the man, once the man that walked into Bethlehem and men trembled. At one time, his words were powerful that penetrated the hearts and the minds of his people. In his mind, he used to be the boy that heard the simplicity of the voice of the God Almighty. But now, in his heart and in his mind, he is a has-been. Once was. Again, to blame himself because, after all, he was the one that anointed him. And now, Saul failed, and he's a failure. He was the one that used to be great and mighty in the eyes of the people and of God. He finds himself, this scripture verse, the text that I, I read you, somewhere in a place where nobody else is around. He's crying uncontrollably. He feels like a rat. He's embarrassed because of failure. And God gets ticked off at him. And he begins to chastise him. And God says to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul? You know what he was saying? You've, ba- you've been a baby long enough. You're, you've cried long enough. You better get it out of your system. Let me tell you something. You can only mourn for failure and repent over something for so long. But there comes a time where you've got to get past it. Seeing, he said, seeing I have, the, I'm the one that rejected him from reigning over Israel. He said, you made it personal. It's not about you. It's not about your ministry. It's not about who you anoint. It's about who I anoint. He said, he didn't reject you. He rejected me. Those Bible studies you teach when they walk out and you feel like you didn't make any headway, they rejected God. What's the Bible say? It says, shake the dust off your feet and walk on. Go find somebody else. Then he said something. It's just incredible. He said, fill your horn up with oil. You know what that had to mean? Samuel was the anointer. He carried the anointing everywhere he he went. And the Bible says that God told him to put oil in his horn. That tells me because of his failure, he poured it out. He quit. How dare us lay our anointing down because of some stinking failure or what you think is a failure. Just because you failed one time doesn't mean that you have to pour your anointing out. You are an anointer. And I'm talking to somebody here tonight that you feel like 
You feel like you've been a failure, but you need to get up, wipe the tears from your eyes, and put the oil back in your horn and go out and find somebody to anoint. He said, fill thine horn with oil and go. He said, while you're crying somewhere, my people are without a king. And when there's no leadership in their life, there is confusion. He said, I'm not going to have confusion inside my church. I need somebody that's willing to pick their horn up and fill it with oil and go find somebody to anoint. Because Saul stood for his past and he hadn't been revealed his future yet because he was in tears. God will never, ever reveal to you your future when you're crying. God will never fill you with the Holy Ghost until you're past that repentance stage. What do you say? You're never going to see a resurrection in your ministry until you wipe the tears off your eyes and say, Okay, God's forgiven me. I'm going on. I'm not carrying it any longer. And I feel the Holy Ghost up here so strong. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost when I'm telling you what I'm telling you. God wants you to get past it. How many times have you felt like throwing in the towel because you failed God and you felt guilty about it? It's so foolish to walk away from the church just because of failure. That's like falling out of the boat and saying, well, I'm going to take my life jacket off because I fell off the boat. If you drown, it's your own fault. Too many people are outside the church because they've let past failures dictate their future. And if you could ever get past it and go on and forget it and don't pick it back up, pick your anointing back up. The fact is, man, his anointing still worked. He didn't lose his calling. Oh man, I got to go on. He wasn't used to hard times. Samuel, he wasn't used to it. He wasn't used to things not working out. He wasn't used to falling apart in the process of doing the will of God. He was supposed to do what he was doing. It didn't work out. And then he blamed himself. 
man, I, 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 can I tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost and why I'm preaching this message? I'm telling you why I feel. Because for, for a long time, I have felt this in, in the house of God, and I, I hope I've got to get away from this right now. I feel like I've got to tell you this. I have been crying and praying because of seats that's been empty. And I've been asking myself, what have I done? What have we done? Because there's people that used to be here that they're not here anymore. And Sunday night, Brother Anthony, when I told the men what I told them, I said, we ain't a has-been. This church is not a used-to-be. When I was praying that, I said, God, what about these people that have left? He said, quit worrying about what you have lost. Quit going back and trying to resurrect something that I've taken away. I know some people have left because maybe of bad feelings. But God has moved people on for their own ministries and, and to position other people in this house. And we have worried about it. I have worried about it. I don't know about you, but from where I sit up here, I, it blows, it, it makes me sick. It, 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 it drives me crazy that I look and I say, where's so-and-so? And where's this one? And I get to thinking, man, I wish we were like we, were, we used to be when we had all these seats filled. Let me tell you something. God is going to do a mighty work in this place. We waste our time worrying about it. And I know good and well that Sister Robertson is about as tough as I've ever seen. She's one of the toughest ladies I've ever seen. If she didn't have bad knees, we could put her in a boxing match. She's got new knees. Now that was an invitation for someone to fight her. If you got a problem, you go to her. Got some. And I know. I've talked to the pastor about it. And he won't admit it very easy. But it bothers him too. But if we're not careful, we'll cry about the past that we'll miss the future. We'll wish to God for so long, I wish we could be like we used to be. I wish we could have church like we used to. But God does not want us to have church like we used to be. God wants us to have revival in a new way, with the same doctrine, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm being pulled in all kinds of directions. But I'm, I'm excited about what I'm saying. Samuel 18, 6 and 7. It says, And it come to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. 
with joy with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played. And they began to sing. Saul has slain his thousands. And David his ten thousands. Let me tell you what I feel like that scripture was about. Let me tell you what I feel, who I feel like that scripture was for. It wasn't for the benefit of David to make him feel good. David had just killed a Goliath. You ain't going to bring him down. That song was not to rub the, fa- rub the failure in the face of Saul. But I believe that somewhere lurking in the distance, while they were singing that song, Brother Floyd, I believe that Saul was still wiping tears from his eyes. And I believe with all my heart they began to sing that song, Saul was responsible for killing just thousands. But David was responsible for killing tens of thousands. They were prophesying. And they were prophesying to the man of God, Samuel. Samuel, you cried over Saul. And he was good because he killed thousands. If you think your past was good, I want to let you know about your future. Your past was responsible for killing just thousands. But your future is going to be greater than your past. So you've come in here tonight. And last week you were doing pretty good. And this week, not so good. You found yourself in a corner somewhere. I know this is not normal for me. I'm, I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost right now. And you come in here, and your head's hung low. And you've got tears in your eyes. And you're soaking over something, your past, that you can't do anything about. And God is speaking to you right now. How long are you going to cry about it? How long? How long are you going to let your past failure keep you Somewhere in a corner, crying. How long are you going to let my people go without your anointing? How long are you going to keep your anointing poured out? When God, you know good and well that you come to the altar and He filled you with the Holy Ghost and He filled you from the bottom to the top with anointing and you walked out of here and you poured your anointing out. How long are you going to keep it dry? And the longer you do, 
the longer everybody else around you will suffer and not do without and will do without your ministry. God needs you as much as He needs me. God needs you as much as He needs Brother Robertson. He needs you. You need to pick your horn up and fill it with oil because God needs you. I need everybody to stand right now. I'm not going to go any further. I got more to preach, but I'm not. I need a piano player to come. You don't musician or the singers don't have to come. I need a piano player. You know the problem with a lot of people with the failure is when they come up to the altar, they somehow pick some of it back up and they put it in their pocket and go back home with it. They can't forget. At the time when Samuel was going through this, and he was right in the middle of that hell and the dilemma that he was in, was so close to Saul and he, he still had his arms wrapped around him. He was still crying. He was so close to it. He remembered it. When God spoke to him, he severed him from it. He said, get away from him. Pull away from him. What did he say? Why did he say it? He said, because the longer you stay right by Saul's side, the further you're going to be from David. David was the light, and Saul was fading. And Saul was stuck to him because he felt responsible for it. Maybe I shouldn't have titled this that. Maybe I should have titled it something else. But I feel this in the Holy Ghost to say that Saul was fading. And Samuel kept by that dark spot in his life. And God said, push away from him. Because the longer you stay there, the longer you'll, you, the longer you'll feel like a failure. Get close to the light right now. And I want you to attach yourself to the light. Because why? Because he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he was the shepherd. And he takes after me. And the closer you get to Jesus, the, the more that you're going to forget about your past. You need to stay away from your Saul. Stay away from him. And you cling to David because David's the light of Israel. And David's the one that'll slay your giant. Somebody needs to walk up to this altar right now and drop to your knees and find David. If you will, let me put it. Let me say, I'm not pre. David's not Jesus. We know that, but he was type and shadow of Jesus. Jesus came from his, come out of his lineage. Somebody needs to find their way to the altar and get away from that dark spot in your life and find your way to Jesus because He's the only one that can reveal your past failures and cast it into outer darkness and forgive you.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want every eye closed in this place. Hallelujah. I feel a strong prophetic, prophetic word right now in the name of Jesus. My cousin, my cousin David Wayne, he was baptized when he was seven years old. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. My aunt promised him to God. And he was baptized in Jesus' name. And he got away from it. And he walked away and he played with God for so long. Do you know why he repented? Do you know what it took for him to come back to God? He got sick with cancer. God didn't give him cancer. But God allowed him to get sick. That was the only way for him to die saved. If you're not careful, if you keep living close to Saul, you... They find yourself in the position. God will drive you to your knees. And you, you will bow to Him one way or the other. I don't know why this took this turn, but... We're not shouting right now, but God's doing something the hearts of these people right here. Begin to cry out to God. Get away from Saul. Get away from Saul. Hallelujah. 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 Just give me a few minutes to pray with these people. Just give me a few minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.